This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, <clears throat> good evening everyone. Shalom Aleichem, sorry for the late beginning, but we have an amazing subject tonight. Uh, we're continuing the Shiurim on Sefer Devarim, the last Chumash of the uh, five books of the Torah. Sefer Devarim is again generously sponsored by Dr. Zakheim, Umeshpachter, Lila Nishmas, Rabbi Shalom Eliezer ben Rav Yaakov Zakheim, and Lila Nishmas, Dr. Zakheim's mother, whose yard site is coming up next week. Chavav Av, Rivka, Vasavia Halevi, Her Nisham Shamna Aliyah, Deshvim Litzer Yisham for the whole family, for Simchas Nachas, for Toivos, Arbiasko El Tzadak. So we have a very uh, interesting, important subject tonight. We know, based on the Gemara in the end of Makos, we have a tradition, there's 613 mitzvahs. And there are many, many moinei ha-mitzvahs. We know there's 613. Actually, the fact that there's 613 are not unanimously accepted. There are Rishonim that say, that's the opinion of Reb Simlai. But maybe there are more, maybe there are less. But it's pretty well accepted. There are 613 mitzvahs. And the Rambam has his list, and the Ramban has his list, and the Bahag, and the Shiltis, and the many, the Ureim. There are many, many Moine HaMitzvahs. One of the Moine HaMitzvahs is none other than the Smag, Rav Moshe of Kusi. So it's interesting, Rav Moshe of Kusi is one of the Baleyatoisvists. Rav Moshe of Kusi, if you look in Masech Yuma, there's on the side of the page, Toisvus Yishonim, that was written by Rav Moshe of Kusi, lived from 1200 to 1260. He comes from Kusi, France. He made his way to Provence. And um, in contradistinction to some of the other provincial Rishonim who were opposed to the Rambam, the Smag was a great defender of the Rambam. In fact, the Smag often quotes the Rambam. And while many challenged the Rambam's philosophical ideas, the Smag said that we haven't had a scholar of the likes of the Rambam in many generations. And he was actually one of the earliest Magidim, preachers, speakers. He would go to communities, certain communities, many communities. They were not Zohir in Tefillin. There were communities where people were intermarried. And he went and he uh, spoke to them. He spoke to them sternly. He was like one of the earliest inspirational speakers. Anyway, what's interesting is when Nicholas Donin challenged the Talmud in the year 1240, so four eminent Rishonim were called to defend the Talmud, including Rabbi Chiel of Paris and Rabbi Moshe of Kusi, the Smag. And he writes in his Hakdama that he divided his Sefer into two parts, Mitzvah Saseh and Mitzvah Loi Saseh. And he followed his predecessors, bringing various proofs to which mitzvahs are included in the 613. And he thanks Hashem for his heavenly assistance. And he says, when it came to counting the lavin, I had a dream. And just when I was about to finish writing the 365 lavin, I heard the following in a dream. Hine shachachta es ha'ikr. You forgot the main love in the Torah. You forgot the main love. What's the main love? Parshas Ikev. He shomer lecha. Pentishkach as Hashem Watch out, lest you forget God. I wasn't going to write it. 
Because the Rambam doesn't write it. I wasn't going to put it in, says the Smag, the Moshe, the Rambam didn't put it in. And it's not like I relied on the dream uh, completely. I woke up in the morning, and I realized, you know, this is a great principle in the fear of God. Be careful, don't forget Hashem. And says the Smag, God knows I didn't write this for effect. <laughs> I'm not trying to make a splash in my introduction, you know. Uh, sometimes you can have a rabbi who at the beginning of his drasha, he may say something for effect. There is such a phenomenon. And, and one is allowed to. One is permitted to. So I'm not, says the smag, I'm not doing this for drama. God knows that this is exactly what happened. And the only reason I'm writing it is to strengthen the hearts of the Jewish people in the study of Torah. So exactly what is this love that the Smag says that God told him is the Iker love in the Torah? Watch out, lest you forget Hashem. That's what we have in Parshas Ekev, eight psukim. You would think that that's almost like all encompassing. Yeah, everything else falls under that. Correct. Good. That's a good point, and we're going to discuss that. That would be an important point. But the Torah says, Hisham be careful, lest you forget Hashem, not to keep His mitzvahs and His laws and His statutes that I command you today. So, like David's saying, this seems to be not a love, it's just like, you know, don't, hey, wake up in the morning and just remember what you need to do. This is all inclusive. But then the Torah gets more specific. You're going to eat, and you're going to be satisfied, and you're going to build big homes, and you're going to live in them. You're going to go to restaurants. You're going to eat fleisch. You're going to build ma- many homes, big homes. You're going to eat bakar, tsoin, lamb chops. You're going to have silver, gold, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, bitcoins, all kinds of stuff. And whatever you have is going to increase. And you know what's going to happen then? You know what happens when you eat and you have money? Viram levavecha. You'll be arrogant. And when you're arrogant, you forget Hashem. I used to walk my son to his friend on Shabbos when we used to live in Queens. And he would say, Daddy, what if my friend forgot that he invited me? So I said, don't worry, your friend's not going to forget that he invited you. But, you know, when a, when a human being invites another person, usually they remember that they, they invited them. But we have the capacity to eat, to be immersed and to forget about God. Why? Gaiva. And the Pasuk continues, this is like one of the longest lavin in the whole Torah. God took you through the desert, the mighty and awesome desert, snake, scorpion, serpent, thirst, no water, Hashem produced water for you from the stone, He gave you mun, and you're going to say, you know why I'm wealthy? You know why I have, uh, you know I have so much money in my account? You know why I'm so comfortable? Because I'm smart. And I'm in G. I'm I, I'm creative, and I'm charming. It's my ingenuity that amassed all this wealth. You're going to say, Says the pasuk, Remember God. He's giving you the ability, the capability, the talent to amass your success. So what exactly is this love? Says the Smag in Loisa Seisamach Dalet. It's a warning. Don't be arrogant when you're successful. You have money? 
You have a home, you drive a fully loaded luxury car that makes a noise, that ha- they, they put in artificial noise so that it can make a louder noise when you drive by. So people say, whoa, whoa, what's he driving? Does, the car doesn't even actually make that noise. They, put, they charge you extra money to put in some device that makes some kind of crazy noise that's not even your car. They have an electric cars, artificial devices that make noises like an engine. Just so people should, you know, whoa, what's that? But the problem is, when you let down, when you open up the sunroof, and the car is gleaming in the sun, you feel arrogant. And when you feel arrogant, you forget God. And you say to yourself, you know what Hashem, remember when I dove into you on Rosh Hashanah for the Parnassah? It's okay. I, I didn't need it. Forget that. I got it on my own. I, I did it on my own. I don't... I don't Forget, scratch that tefillah. I, I was able to accomplish it without it. And therefore, uh, says the smag, there is a love in the Torah, that when a person is successful. And you know, Hashem gave us a very great gift. That is, when you lived in Europe in the 19th century, and you ate two lentils for supper, and you drove in a horse that did not smell good, it's not so easy to be arrogant. And when, you know, they're, they're persecuting it. But when you live in America, Hashem gave us a great opportunity to try to fulfill this great Nisayon of don't forget about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Smag brings many, many rayas. Um, that there is a love in the Torah, not to be arrogant. You have money, you have good looks, you're smart, don't be arrogant. Lower yourself, humble yourself before Hashem and before other people. Thank Hashem. Don't be an ingrate, like Moshe Rabbeinu is praised, that he is an anav. And the Gemara tells us in the Yushalmi, that which wisdom made as a crown, what did wisdom make as a crown? Reish is Chachma. Yiras Hashem. So Yiras Hashem is the crown of Chachma. Anava made the heel. Ekev Anava Yiras Hashem. So fear of God is the crown of wisdom. But it's the bottom of the foot of humility. So you see, humility is even greater than wisdom. And the Gemara says in Saita, anyone who lowers themselves, it's like he brought all the carbonists in the world. And not only that, someone who's humble, his tefillah is answered. Not only that, the Gemara says, anyone who's humble, they give them mishalois libam, the, re- the request of their heart. Meaning, someone who's humble, they don't even have to formulate a tefillah. God knows what you want and He's going to give it to you even before you formally ask for it. And David HaMelech says, I'm like a worm. And David HaMelech, when he was cursed by Shimei ben Gera, David said, let him curse me. Hashem told him to curse me. What am I? Someone who is a Baal is an abomination. And the question is, why is the smog bringing so many rayos? We're about, we're going to see. Says the smog, I have to tell you. I gave this drasha many times. Believe me, in France, they also needed it. And, but I never formulated it as a love until one night I went to sleep and they told me three words. Shachachta es ha'ikr. You forgot the main thing. Hishamer l'chab pentishgach Hashem. And in the morning I thought about it. Because you can't just say, oh, I had a dream, so I'm going to write it in the Sefer. If people would write their dreams in the Svarim, they might be bestsellers, but they would not be, you know, halachically viable. But I thought about it. And I saw it was a great principle in the fear of God. 
And then I opened up the Gemara and saw it, and the Gemara says explicitly, look at number four, Azhara legase haruach minayin. From where do we know a warning against arrogance? Rava quotes a Pasuk in the Navi, Rav Nachman bar Yitzchak says, Viram levavecha vishachachta. He shomer lecha. Pen tishkach. And we have a rule. He shomer is a love. Pen is a love. Says the Chizkuni, Viram levavecha vishachachta is a warning against arrogance. So, this was always very interesting to me. The first time I saw it was in Sefer Chafetz Chaim. By the way, the Chafetz Chaim writes that if someone speaks Lashon Hara, one of the 17 Lavin you could violate is arrogance. Because if you're speaking Lashon Hara, you're clearly not humble. If you'd be humble, you'd think to yourself, I'm going to put that guy down, but I have this fault and that fault. And the Chafetz Chaim writes, and who considers arrogance a Lav? The Smag who had a dream that arrogance is one of the Lavin. Okay, so there's a commentary on the smag called Mishnah Avraham uh, from a rabbi in Toronto. Avraham Aharon Price. Okay, he's probably an Orthodox rabbi if he wrote a parish on the smag, right? And he wants to know why is the smag bringing so many proofs to that, to the... uh, how despicable arrogance is, how important humility is. The reason he says he brings so many proofs because nobody else counts arrogance as one of the Lavin and the Torah. The Uraim doesn't count it. The Uraim says humility is a mitzvah. He says even though it doesn't say explicitly in the Chumash, be humble, but the fact that the Torah praises Moshe Rabbeinu means that the Torah values humility. But the million dollar question is, why does the Rambam not count arrogance as one of the Lavin and the Torah? And the Mishnah Avram quotes one of the commentaries on the Rambam, the Migdal Oiz, who suggests that the reason why the Rambam does not count arrogance is because it is davar hamasr lelev. It is given over to the heart. Nobody could look at somebody else's heart and say, oh, he's a big Baal Gaiva. Right? Because the Baal Gaiva, you say, oh, we know, they sit in the front row. The, the humble people sit in the back row. Now the Masil Susham says the arrogant people sit in the back row because they're thinking, look how humble I am, everybody, right? So you never know. But you know, but could be they're sitting in the back because they really are humble or could they, they could be they're sitting in the front row because they're arrogant. So there's no way to know based on a person's actions. It's something, you know, you need, you need uh, to be able to look into someone's heart. Nobody could see into the heart of somebody else. Somebody could be a great... Um, Chacham, Pikeach, psychologist, and even they are, do not have access into the heart of another person. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Yira Lalevav. So God cannot say, don't be arrogant, because how could anyone determine if someone is arrogant or not? So the Mishnah Avram says, that's a very difficult answer. There are a lot of Lavin in the Torah that, that nobody can know if somebody is fulfilling it out. Don't forget what Amalek did. I can't tell, right? I can't tell if you're thinking about Amalek or not. Or don't hate your brother in your heart. There are, there are many, many, many mitzvahs that are dependent on one's thoughts. So the, therefore the Mishnah Avram gives two possible answers. Answer number one is the idea that David mentioned 
that the Rambam, in his list of mitzvahs, establishes different principles to be able to determine what good deeds uh, classify as a mitzvah and, w- and what deeds are not considered a mitzvah. And the Rambam says in his fourth shayrash, we're not going to count a commandment that encapsulates the whole Torah. Anything, any mitzvah that involves all the mitzvahs, we're not going to count. For example, the Rambam says, some people made a mistake that Kedoshim Tiyu, be holy, or Vahizkadishtim is a mitzvah. So it's not a mitzvah. It's saying be holy by fulfilling all the mitzvahs. It's not a mitzvah. It encompasses everything. And if you violate an Avera, you're not being holy. So it encompasses all the positive commandments and all the negative commandments. So too, says the Mishnah Avram, and this is how I'll explain it, even though I'm not exactly sure if he's saying it this way, is that gaiva really is something that affects every single mitzvah a person does. So we say, learn Taira. Okay, I'm going to learn Taira. I'm going to take out the big, I'm going to get myself a nine foot volume of Shas. I'm going to learn in front of everybody, making sure that everybody sees my Hasmada. So I'm learning Taira, but it's for, it's for uh, ulterior motives. I want the attention, I want the aggrandizement, I want the publicity. So any mitzvah that a person does could be tainted and sullied through arrogance. So really arrogance is something that is involved, potentially could sully any mitzvah. Or any time a person does an Avera, clearly they, they have a certain arrogance against the Almighty. Oh, Hashem doesn't see me, or I'm invincible, or, or I'll get away with it, or I'm above that. So it's something that really encapsulates Kala and therefore it's not considered a love. It's something that is more overarching. So it's not that that the Ramam didn't count it because it's not important. The Ramam didn't count it because it's so important. It's so basic. And then he offers uh, another uh, possible explanation. And that is, and he says maybe this is what the Migdal Oiz means when he says that we cannot see into the heart of somebody else, is uh, George Bernard Shaw. You didn't think he would ever make it into a shear. He would say, when it comes to self-delusion, every man is a genius. Right? Meaning, I know what your problem is. And I know what his problem is. In fact, I know what everybody's problem is, except for me. Because when it comes to me, I don't see myself. I think I'm perfect. So especially when it comes to arrogance. Here you have a guy, he thinks... Well, you know, I make, uh, you know, big time salary and I'm a prominent X, Y, and Z. So it's beneath my dignity to converse with Ploini and to him. It's, it's not, I'm not arrogant. It's just, it's just, I don't understand these despicable human beings. Uh, you know, a sorry excuse. I mean, what they do for a living or the kind of clothing they wear or the way they speak, it's, it's beneath me. I wouldn't lower myself. I'm, I'm a very humble guy. <laughs> or, you know, I'm so bright, I'm so intelligent, I wouldn't talk to him, or I wouldn't talk to them. And you tell them, why are you being so arrogant? They can't even understand. They're so self-delusional. They don't even recognize the arrogance. So says the Nishmas, uh, says the Mishnah Avram, the Torah can't give an admonition 
against something that you can't tell again. The guy doesn't know what you're talking about. Say, don't be arrogant. He doesn't see it. It's something that that you have to be so genuine and honest to recognize in your personality the flaw of arrogance that therefore the Rambam didn't count it because it's very difficult to tell somebody, oh, don't be arrogant. It's, it's hard to see this character flaw in yourself. Okay, so now let us uh, proceed. So now that we know that, you know, I would make the case now that this is one of the longest lavin in the whole Torah. Did you ever see such a... Here it said, don't wear shatnas. Finished. Don't desecrate Shabbos. Finished. Don't speak Lush and Hara. You know what it says about murder? Finished. That's it. Don't commit adultery. We don't, no further details needed. Here we have beware, you're going to forget God, not to keep the mitzvahs and the statutes and the laws. You're going to eat, you're going to be satisfied. You're going to have plush carpet. You're going to have steak and lamb chops and bitcoins and gold and mutual funds and, and this. And you're going to be arrogant and you're going to forget. Didn't he take you through the midbar? I mean, this love is like a whole long uh, geschäft over here. Just say, No. Okay, so what's, what's hitting me is this is the longest lav in the Torah. You ever see such as, I mean, you know a longer lav? It's like a story. So according to the way we're explaining the Rambam, yeah, this is like the foundation of the Torah. This is something that could get into any mitzvah. But let's develop this further. Why now? Why in Parshas Ekev all of a sudden we have this whole storyline mitzvah, don't be arrogant with all of the details and all of the, all of the excess that could engender arrogance. So this is something I saw many years ago on a, a pile of papers someone gave me. And I, I wanted to keep it. I thought I kept it, but I couldn't find it. But I saw on Oitzra HaChachma, I was able to find this idea. You know, there's a concept that we darshan the Pesukim and Parshas Chukas on the words... Umimidbar matana, umimatana nachaliel, uminachaliel bamois, umibamois hagai. And the Gemara darshans that if somebody makes themselves hefker, like a desert, that anyone can ask them questions and they teach anybody, they basically just give up their whole, their whole self for Torah, then God will give them the Torah as a matana. Mimidbar matana. And once you get as matana nachliel, you'll have the inheritance of Hashem. So you think this guy, I mean, who are we talking about? We're talking about like Moshe Rabbeinu. We're talking about, you know, the greatest Tamil Chacham. But the next words are, U minachaliel bamais. From nachliel, you're elevated. U mi bamais, and from the elevation, hagai. You go down to the abyss. And the Gemara Darshans, that if after God gives you the Torah as an inheritance, you become arrogant, then God will take you down so fast. So think about it. Here we're talking about like an all-time great Talmud Chacham. From Midbar, he made himself Hefker like the Midbar, and he was given the Torah Matana. And he was given the Torah Matana, and he, Nachaliel, he inherited the Torah. He inherited the Torah, he became arrogant. 
So here's a very, um, I don't know if it's a chidosh, but it's, it's some, a very worthwhile idea. That not only wealthy people are in danger of arrogance, not only people who have nice houses and people who drive fancy cars and who wear sharp clothing, but Tamil Chachamim are even in greater danger of arrogance because they have more to be arrogant about. Look at the danger over here. We're talking about someone who God gave the Torah to in an unprecedented way, but if they get angry, if they get haughty, God's going to bring them all the way down. So we see that as vigilant as a wealthy person has to be not to be arrogant, a Tamil has to be even more careful. So then who... When is the most appropriate time for God to warn the Jewish people? Watch out. You had a lot of good stuff? Don't be arrogant. Probably right after the Torah was given. So sure enough, after after the Torah was given. Because think about it, what is the Torah? It's Nachaliel. It's the inheritance of God. God gave the Torah as a matana. He gave it a matana in the Midbar. And it became their inheritance. So now the Jews, uh, you know, remember the Gemara in Tainus? There was a, a Tana. He just learned so much. And he was feeling so happy, he became arrogant. And then there was an ugly guy passing by, and he sort of disparaged. So we see that the learning of Torah, yeah, can inflame the heart, can make a person arrogant. So I would humbly suggest, I guess, I mean, <laughs> right? With all... Um, You can't listen to me, okay. <laughs> so right after the Torah was given in Parshas Va'eschanan, Hashem comes right away and He gives us the longest love in the Torah. Watch out. You were just elevated. You were just... Now the first time God gave us the Torah, the, it did get to us. We became very arrogant and we made the Egal. This time God is saying, watch out, I don't want to repeat, I don't want this to happen again. So the Yibam Shalom gives us this uh, love, of, uh, which is not just a love, but is uh, a love in the narrative. And uh, I would suggest, B'Siyata Deshmaya, that not only are these Psukim from Parak Ches, Pasuk to Yerches, speaking about the admonition against arrogance, but from the very beginning of the Parsha, we can make the case that the theme of Parshas Ekev is to maintain one's humility because there are many, many interpretations of the word Ekev. Vehaya, and it will be Ekev Tishman, Rashi says, uh, the Targum says, reward. There are many, many, the Toysus says it means uh, the mitzvah of tzitzis that you drag under your feet. But we could say very simply, Vehaya Ekev Tishma'un. You know how you should listen to the mitzvahs? Akev, the heel. The heel represents the lowest part of the body. That makes sure, when I gave you all these mitzvahs at Sinai, the Archaim HaKadosh interprets the word Akev, also a language of humility. Make sure that all the mitzvahs are done in a humble, modest way, because that's the foundation of everything. In fact, the Noyam Elimelech, or Melech of Lezhensk, says, um, based on the Yushami that we mentioned, that that which wisdom made as a crown for its head Humility made as its heel. Why? Why is humility called a heel? What does the heel do? 
The heel is the foundation of the whole body. The whole body stands on the heel. So all Avoidus Hashem stands on humility. Humility is the foundation, the predecessor, the Yesoid of Kala Tarakula. All the mitzvahs have to be done in that fashion. Therefore, says Rav Lech of Lezhensk, the Ekev Tishman, through humility you should fulfill all the mitzvahs. And that gives us greater insight into what David was suggesting before, what we said from the Mishnah Avram, that the reason why the Rambam does not count humility as one of the Lavin, look on the fourth line in the Naim Ali Melech, Sheha'anava hi hamakar shall call Davra Kedusha. It's the source and the root of all holiness. It's almost like the Tzorim, why Mishnah wasn't one of the It's Kailal everything, exactly. Like Mitzrayim encompasses everything, so humility encompasses Kala Furthermore, we can interpret the Pasuk. We n- there are many, there are no, there's no... What does the Pasuk mean when you read Ekev? The word Ekev means because. 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 Ekev, the word means because. So how does it fit into the Pasuk? And it will be because you keep the mitzvahs, I will reward you. Yeah. Rashi doesn't learn that way. Rashi, if you look at Rashi, Rashi throws in a very unusual word. V'haya ekev im. If. Just before. If. What do you mean if? Which word means if in the Pasuk? Which word in the Pasuk means if? doesn't say if. So Rashi is saying, that means don't read the word ekev because. Here's another just small point, and then we're going to proceed. Chazal teach us ein v'haya ela lashain simcha. Vayihi is tsar, and v'haya is simcha. Now there are two kinds of guys. One guy, oh, this meal, disgusting. For me, you know who I am. I, uh, I am so important and great that this this is beneath my dignity. That house. That family, nothing makes the guy happy because he's so um, full of himself and he has such a high opinion of himself that whatever he has in life, he's befitting of much more. So he can't be happy. So the Torah is saying, V'haya! You want to be happy? Akev. You got to be humble. Because if a person's humble, well, this car for me... Uh, I'm, I'm worthy of this. I'm worthy of this house. I'm worthy of this family. I'm not worthy of anything. So the Torah is giving you sort of a recipe for happiness. Okay, now so the first idea is that the reason why we have the mitzvah of humility in this week's parsha, not only in this long, long narrative love, but even from the very beginning of the parsha of Ekev, is this is the aftermath of Kabbalah's HaTorah. And Hashem saying, I just gave you the Torah. I elevated you. Watch out! Next idea. Another story. You ready for another long story? Another, another, the second longest love in the Torah. Al-Toymar. Don't say. Bilvavecha in your heart. When God chases out the enemy from before you, don't say, you know why God is chasing out the Gentile? It's because of my righteousness. You know how much tzedakah I give. You know how many brachis I say. You know how 
much Torah I learn. So God chasing, chasing out the 31 kings from Canaan because of my righteousness and because they're wicked. Don't say that. The Torah says, it's not your righteousness. It's not your uprightness. It's only because of the wickedness of the Goyim. And because God made a covenant to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. You should know, guys, you ain't so righteous. You're actually a bunch of stubborn, stiff-necked Jews. Don't we forget, remember you made the Egel? And ever since I know you, from the day I met you, you've been a rebel. You've been bad news since the day I know you. So don't say, oh, you're such so righteous, that's why God is chasing out the enemy. Nah, you're, you're a bunch of lousy, stiff-necked, brazen people. I'm doing it because they're wicked. Comes Rabbeinu Yoyna. What do we learn from here? It says, Rabbeinu Yoyna, it's a general love. Never imagine, never think that your success is because of your righteousness. But rather attribute your success to Hashem's chesed. Now, is that what the Torah says? The Torah is talking about a very specific situation. When you go into Israel, don't attribute it to your righteousness and the wickedness of the Goyim. It's only because of the wickedness of the Goyim. Well, how do you have a right to extrapolate and say, yeah, but if I make a, if I make a lot of money, maybe that is because of my righteousness, because there, no, there are no wicked people involved over there. But Rabbi Yonah learns that a general principle. Never attribute your success to your righteousness. So I have one simple question. So why doesn't the Torah say that if you make a lot of money, don't attribute it to your righteousness? Why is the Torah couching it and phrasing it is when you go into Israel, don't attribute it to your righteousness. If it's just a general prohibition, then why phrase it, why frame it in the context of when you go into Eretz Yisrael, don't attribute it to your, to your righteousness. Say in general, don't attribute right? Al toimar bilvavecha shahatzlachascha hu mishum tzidkascha. And finished. Why we refer to it and connect it to the land of Israel? Why is this even a separate from the first one? Why isn't it just like all one? Well, one is, one is, when you have money... Don't forget about God. The other thing is, okay, I agree that He gave it to me. I'm not forgetting about Him. But why did He give it to me? So don't say, okay, right? in other words, I'm not forgetting about Hashem. I know, I know you gave it to me. But don't say, He gave it to me because of me. He gave it to, to me because they're terrible. So I just want to um, share the following idea. The story goes, we have to, uh, we start, we have to get to the Marav. The story goes that Rav Baruch of Mezhbej sent a letter to the great Sadik, Rav Menachem Mendel of Vitebsk. He said, send me a little bit of the taste of Eretz Yisrael. So, you know, we would have expected Rav Menachem Mendel of Vitebsk would have sent him a sabra, a pomegranate, some hummus, maybe, what? Maybe a pamphlet with a gimel on it, I don't know. So he sent him back two phrases. Toiva ha'aretz me'oid me'oid. Yeah? Me'oid me'oid have a shval ruach. 
Twice in the lexicon of Chazal, we have the expression Ma'id Ma'id. One in Perkei be very, very humble. And the other one is the land is very, very good. From here we see, says Rabbarch of Mezbizh, says Ramnach Vendo of Vitebsk, that in order to appreciate the goodness of Eretz Yisrael, you have to be very, very humble. If you're not humble, you won't see the goodness of the land. But we also see another important uh, principle, that humility is needed to enter Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is the land of humility. We've said many times an idea, but we never quite said it like this. Now you know it's very interesting. We kick the Canaanim out of Eretz Yisrael, and what do we call the land? Canaan. You know? Do we, call, do we live in Amsterdam now? Do we live in England now? Do we live in France now? No, we live in the United States of America. Because we kicked those Brits out of here, we kicked them into the sea. So why do we call the land Eretz Canaan? And the Shloss says, but now we're going to say it with a little bit of a different tune, the Shloss says because the word Canaan means hachna, submissiveness, it's the land that you have to be submissive to the Torah, but now we're going to say, and this is brought in the Sefer Be'er Moshe, uh, of the Rebbe of Oizrav, that Eretz Canaan, it's the land of humility. The reason why it's called Eretz Canaan, even though the Canaanim are not there anymore, is because in order to be there, it, you have to be humble. There's a concept, there's a Pasuk in Tehillim, Anovim Yershu Aretz. The humble will inherit the land. That's a Pasuk in Tehillim Lama Zayin Yeraf. Va'anovim Yershuars. In order to get the land, you got to be humble. The Be'er Moshe points out, Eretz Yisrael is called Eretz Chemda, the land of desire. What does the Gemara say? That God desires us because we lower ourselves. <clears throat> many, many Sfarim bring the Sefer Sfas Emes of Ramosh Chagiz. Uh, the Ben Ashri Tzadik Ranan also says on the Pasuk Luk number 17, Vegam Hakimoisi Es Brisi Itam Laseis Lohem Es Eretz Kenaan Es Eretz Megurehem Asher Garuba If you add up the Rashi Tevois of this whole Pasuk, Vav, Hey, Aleph, Beis, Aleph, Lamed, Lamed, Aleph, Aleph, Kaf, Aleph, Aleph, Mem, Aleph, Gimel, Beis, you got that? It's Rashi Tevois, Gematria, Oyhev, Anava. It's the land that loves humility. Therefore, it's called the land of Canaan, even when the Canaanim are not there, because Canaan is a lashon of hachna, humility. And therefore, Rav Nassim Gestetner says, it's a land that doesn't tolerate arrogance. And if you want to go in there, you want to have access, you want to be able to stay, anovim yershu aretz. The humble will inherit the land. That's the idea, Avira da'ara machim, the land of Israel, it makes you smart, the air makes you smart, because since it's the land of humility, humility is called ayin, and there's a pasuk v'chachma me'ayin timaseh. So therefore we could suggest as follows. Now that the Jewish people are about to go into the land of Israel, so Hashem says, okay, it's very nice you want to go in, you just have to be careful about a few things. <laughs> You better keep the mitzvahs with humility. And you better forget, remember not to forget me with all your success. And really, anytime you're successful, you can't attribute it 
to your own ingenuity. You can't attribute it to your own righteousness. But the reason why the Torah specifically phrases and couches and frames don't attribute your success to your own righteousness in terms of don't attribute going into Israel because of your own righteousness is because in order to get out to Israel, you have to be humble. You can't be arrogant. So of course you can never be arrogant. And you should always, you should never attribute your success to your own righteousness. But the Torah emphasizes specifically when you go into Eretz Yisrael, the land of Canaan, the land of Toivar, it's Ma'oid, Ma'oid, you have to be very careful, you're Ma'oid, Ma'oid, Shval Ruach. So yes, it's a general love, it's a general idea. You always have to be careful, never to attribute your successes to your righteousness, not because of your own righteousness. It's Chesed Hashem, it's, it's Zuchos Avais, but Eretz Yisrael specifically, there, there could be nothing more antithetical to going to Eretz Yisrael than saying, oh, you know I am going to Eretz Yisrael, the land of humility, because I'm such a big tzaddik. And therefore, at the end of the parsha, and we'll conclude with this, it says that Eretz Yisrael is the land that Hashem, your God, seeks out always. The eyes of Hashem are on it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And the Sefer Mesilois Ba'agada of Rabbi Benjamin Eisenberger and also in the Sefer Seichel Tov, they bring the idea why are God's eyes always on the land of Israel, right? All the other lands, Ramban says, Hashem deals with through an intermediary, through an angel. It's like Hashem brings in a middleman. It's through a sar, it's through a malach. But Eretz Yisrael, there is no sar, there's no intermediary. It's only Hashem directly onto the land of Israel. That is because since Eretz Yisrael is Eretz Kenan, it's Anovim Yershu Aretz, it's it's ma'oid, ma'oid, because ma'oid, ma'oid, have a shval ruach. It's a land of humility. And we know God's attention is always directed to the humble, to Mashrabenu, to Harsinai, and therefore to Eretz Yisrael as well. So therefore we could say that Parshas Ekev is a special package. You know, it's always nice to see a parsha with different ideas and say, okay, but what's the theme of the parsha? You know, what's the, what, what's Parshas Ekev all about? And we could say, Parshat Ekev is that, V'haya Ekev. Make sure you do your mitzvahs with humility. And we have the longest lav in the Torah. That's the lav of don't forget Hashem. Don't be arrogant because you have, you're successful, you have money, you have possessions, you have oil mazeh. Don't forget about Hashem. This is the longest lav in the Torah. I think that's what I'm asserting. And then not only that, and even if you do remember Hashem, don't attribute your successes to your own righteousness. And this is A, in the aftermath of Kabbalah Satayra, lest you think you've been so elevated and you're so holy, so that could elevate your heart, that could inflame your heart. So the Torah is warning us, we shouldn't um, take the pattern of Midbar, Matana, Nachaliel, Bamois, and also specifically when you're going to the land of Eretz Kenan, the land of Ma'oid Ma'oid Havai Shval Ruach, then we'll be Zoycha to Toiva Ha'aretz Ma'oid, ma'oid. Perhaps this is a dominant theme of Parshas Ekev. Thanks everybody for listening. And uh, Marav is in 90 seconds. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.